How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. All right, so thanks for tuning in to Chomp of the Bit. Uh, you already know, Kyle Edwards. Hopefully you're having a great day because it's a long weekend, Labor Day weekend. So hopefully you enjoy the long weekend and take some time to relax and chill. You know, have some fun with me here for a little bit. So we know that the biggest news that happened in the NBA this past week was the Donovan Mitchell trade. So I want to talk a little bit a little bit about that on this episode talk about you know what pieces are going to you well to utah and which pieces going back to cleveland and and also break down why it shouldn't have been a surprise that utah traded donovan mitchell especially after rudy gobert was moved earlier this offseason and kind of look at where each team stands right now. And I guess for Utah, what's next maybe. And for Cleveland, does this deal put them in the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference? So we'll discuss all that and other little intricacies of the deal on this episode. And at the end of the episode, uh, do have a big announcement that I will make. So stay tuned for that as well. But let's go ahead and jump into this topic real quick. So it's been an interesting couple of years for Utah where they've had Dunman Mitchell, who is, you know, in that superstar class, even though you could argue Maybe he's a budding superstar, but he gives you superstar performances, so I'm not mad with people putting him as a superstar. And he had Rudy Gobert, and it seemed like with those two that I feel like fans in Utah thought, you know, maybe they could make a run at a title, possibly. Something that's eluded them, you know, all through the years with Stockton and Malone. So I think they were hoping that Gobert and Mitchell could give them that kind of success that those that that former duo did, even though it would look a lot differently, of course, because um, Gobert is no Carmelone and Stockton and Donovan Mitchell, not exactly the same uh, person. So, you know. I'm not mad at Utah for trying to make it work with those two, but I believe, and obviously Danny Ainge believed, those two just, they had reached their ceiling. And the worst place to be is kind of in limbo. And that's what it looked like Utah was. Because if you looked at the Western Conference, you had teams like 
Well, Golden State was better than them. The Clippers, you know, when their pieces are healthy, they're better than them. Denver, when they have their pieces, they're better than them. And you're seeing teams kind of moving around them and jumping over them like Memphis. And because of that, I feel like each year Utah is going to be four, five seed. And then come playoffs, they'd probably be a first-round exit or be a hard-fought first-round series. And then they'd bow out in the second round. So once Utah brought in Danny Ainge, you had to know that the the rebuild clock should have been ticking. Because we know Danny Ainge, who has, I mean, he has the... I wouldn't say stigma because that makes it seem bad, but he has the stereotype of being Trader Danny. You don't get that name by going to situations and staying put. We saw what he did with the Celtics. You know, he got pieces together, got a ring with the big three, Pierce, Allen, Garnett, along with guys like Rondo and that type. But once that core, it was obvious that you know, well, they had gotten old, were kind of beaten up. He moved on from them, started the reclamation project that, you know, gave them Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and all that. So Danny Ainge, this, this is not new territory for him. He's not afraid of doing this. So we saw the Rudy Gobert trade where they got a bunch of first-round picks back as well as some young players. And then now, with this Donovan Mitchell trade, they're getting back. I can never pronounce this guy's name. I think it's like Ohai Agbaji. He's a dude from uh, Kansas, the wing. They're getting Colin Sexton, sign and trade, Laurie Marketing. But the most important part for Danny Ainge is getting unprotected first round picks 25, 27, 29, because the NBA. Uh, I believe you can't trade back-to-back years of unprotected picks. So 25, 27, 29. And then swap picks 26 and 28. Which, I mean, that's the new thing now. You got to throw in pick swaps. So if you're looking at 26 and 28, you'd have to figure... I mean, Cleveland should be in a better position than Utah by then, but we never know. So those pick swaps, whatever. So between the Gobert, now the Mitchell trade, Utah has a whole like treasure trove of first round picks to, to run with. And as we've seen in the NBA, that's probably the best way to rebuild your team as long as you get the draft picks right. And once again, with Danny Ainge, we could see him packaging picks certain years when they have multiple first round picks to move higher up, depending on how bad this Utah group is like I don't know if Utah is going to be like number one pick bad but they should be lottery bad for the next few years and as long as they hit on those picks maybe five years down the road Utah could be back in the same situation they were with Mitchell and Gobert where they're middle of the pack Western Conference team but by then, the Western Conference landscape could be vastly different. 
because in five years you got to figure the Golden State core will be moving out. Uh, the Lakers, even though they're kind of down right now, that team is going to look much different in five years. The Clippers even. We don't know what Kawhi and Paul George will look like in five years. So this, these two trades are obviously for down the line because, like I said, Gobert and Mitchell, they, they weren't going to get you a title this current state of the Western Conference. So I know a lot of people are kind of giving Danny Ainge a lot of crap right now for trading Mitchell, but I understand where he's coming from. So we'll have to revisit this, of course, once these picks start kicking in and see where Utah looks, what Utah looks like. Now, for me, I'm wondering, is this the end for Utah? Because there's still some veteran players on Utah that I could see Danny Ainge trading here in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is a name that I've been hearing a lot of teams have been inquiring about. Makes sense. He's a sixth man who, you know, when he goes into the game, his one mentality is score. A lot of teams could use that. And I'm sure Danny Ainge could get even more picks for him. So that's a name to watch going forward. Um, I think the interesting name for Utah is Mike Conley. Now, I guess before I talk about Conley, uh, Bogdanovich is another guy who I could see Danny Ainge moving because he's a, I mean, he's a perimeter player and a lot of teams in the league right now could use that. So that's another piece that Danny Ainge could get more picks for. But I think the most interesting one is Mike Conley. Because Mike Conley's kind of at the point where he might be a little bit too old for some teams to deal for. But veteran teams like, um, I mean, if the Lakers had pieces that Utah would want, I could see that happening. But like a veteran lane team that is missing maybe a floor leader, Mike Conley fits perfectly there. But then I could also see Danny wanting maybe to keep Conley around at least maybe till until like the trade deadline to kind of be a veteran leadership for these young guys that are clearly coming in. And then around the trade deadline, maybe Conley gets moved to a contender or something like that. You know, the, the respectful thing for a veteran player. So don't expect y'all, don't expect Utah to be done trading at no, not even close. And like I said, once Danny Ainge made the announcement that he was going to Utah, this was already in the works to me. Um, now, looking on the other side, Cleveland. Cleveland is in an interesting place as well because the East is to me much deeper than the Western Conference. So Cleveland is trying to find its way out of the middle in the East right now because you look at last season you had um, Milwaukee clearly better Boston better Miami better Philly better 
and then that's where kind of Cleveland was mixed in with you know Chicago and Brooklyn uh, Atlanta teams like that so a trade like this is clearly Cleveland trying to jump from that pack of the east up to the top four five teams there and I think this has the potential to put them there because like I said last season they were hovering around playing as either like the sixth seed just out of the plan or falling in whatever and depending on what goes on in Brooklyn with all the with the circus going on there behind the scenes Cleveland could find themselves in that same situation this year but but I understand why Cleveland's doing it because for Cleveland you know are they a free agent destination no there's a lot of cities like that for whatever reason weather whatever so to acquire players like Mitchell, you got to do it through trade. And yes, did they give up, you know, young assets? Sure. But that's what you're going to have to do. Uh, Colin Sexton, but it already seemed like Sexton was kind of on the outs in Cleveland for whatever reason. I guess maybe Garland and I don't know, but it seemed like Cleveland had soured on Sexton. So I had to figure he was going to get moved at some point. But if you're going to move Sexton, might as well move him for another guard. So, Mitchell now enters an Eastern Conference landscape. We're going into next season. You're looking at Milwaukee, better. Boston, better. You assume Miami better because of, you know, Miami's been a steady presence up in the top three. But, I think after that, you you have kind of a lot of questions in the East. You know Philly's going to be a good team. You just wonder, you know, yes, Harden looks like he's in shape based off of the offseason stuff that we've been seeing, but does that last the whole season? Because he's been a guy who's quit on teams midseason if it's not going right. So Philly is going to be an interesting team to watch. As I just mentioned, Brooklyn, we went through this whole offseason where we thought Durant and Kyrie were going to get moved, only to find out that they're both coming back. But what does that mean? We could get to the midseason, and it could be just like last year where Kyrie's playing sparingly. Ben Simmons is playing sparingly, if at all, because I mean we don't know where he is in terms of his headspace. And maybe Durant gets frustrated again and demands a trade around the trade deadline. And we're going through this whole thing again with him against team management. The Bulls, we just heard Lonzo Ball is going to miss the start of the season. So he could be in for another injury-plagued year. DeRozan's another year older. Can Chicago expect DeRozan to give them the same performance he gave them last season? I don't know. Um, What other team? Okay, Atlanta just traded for DeJounte Murray, but we don't know how Murray and Trey Young are going to fit together on the court, so there's questions there. Charlotte, who seemed like the past couple years was everybody's favorite darling, it seems like that's kind of waned this year, and people aren't really talking about Charlotte anymore. And I, I understand why they're not, but, you know, so... If you look at that, 
I think for Cleveland, they see an opportunity to jump ahead of that group. Well, I guess, do we throw in Washington? I, I guess, because of Bradley Beal, but, you know. So, as of today, I would put Cleveland to the top of that list. So, I could see Cleveland being a 4-5 seed next year. Because in this Mitchell trade, they didn't trade Garland. They didn't trade Mobley. They didn't trade Jared Allen, anything like that. So the core that kind of was built and and gelled together last year, it's still there. The only piece that really is leaving that means anything is probably Sexton. But you're swapping Sexton for Mitchell, so you're fine there. And um, well, Cleveland still has to make a decision on I think what Karis LeVert is a free agent. And Karis LeVert, we know, is coming back from his own little uh, injury spell. So interesting to see what they do there. And if they bring him back or not. Then they have Kevin Love as well, who a couple of years ago, I was asking the question of why Cleveland was holding on to Kevin Love. Because I thought they were going like full-blown you know, rebuild and it's going to take a few years. So I thought they were going to move Kevin Love, but now with a move like this, Cleveland is trying to get better much quicker. And I think Kevin Love can give them a veteran presence that they are kind of missing on the roster right now. So I wouldn't be surprised they brought him back. Now, I don't know the salary cap status of Cleveland right now, but I have to assume if they bring those two guys back, they're probably going to be up against or even over the tax line. Which may, I guess, be a little different for Cleveland, but the way the East is going, I think they're going to have to do it if they want to be competitive. So for Cleveland, for me, it's a win for Cleveland. And I'm not even the the biggest Donovan Mitchell guy. Like, I see that he is a good player. I just don't think he's a superstar level player yet he can get there he's gonna definitely have to fix some holes in his game one thing I do worry with Cleveland is you're gonna have Mitchell out there he's gonna be I guess your lead guard going up against other point guards in the east well west of course since they play the west but Mitchell is a liability defensively I mean luckily you have Jared Allen who fills the Rudy Gobert role like in Utah as a rim protector. And um, you have other guys like Mobley, good defender. So I think Cleveland will be better equipped to hide Mitchell's defensive liability than ever happened in Utah. Because that was kind of their downfall was other teams would go at Mitchell on offense and get what they wanted but then Utah's answer would be put the ball in Mitchell's hands everybody kind of stand around and hope Mitchell does something some games he did it but it seemed like in the playoffs it didn't happen as often which is why they had early playoff exits so definitely interesting trade Um, I guess might be the biggest move of the offseason so far maybe at least has the biggest name involved I'll say that but um 
I'm interested to see. I feel like Cleveland, this was probably their move for the offseason. And I, like I said, I think Danny Ames has more in plans for Utah, so I'm definitely waiting to see what happens out there. But, um, but yeah, so let me know what you think about it. You know, are you, who do you think won the trade? Do you think Cleveland in acquiring Donovan Mitchell has propelled themselves to the top level Eastern Conference? So they win the trade, or do you think the assets that Utah got back in the trade, as well as where you think Danny Ames could potentially take Utah, they won the trade? Let me know, comments, section, or if you follow me over on Twitter, you like I mean you can let me know there as well. But um let me see. Oh, yes, I almost forgot. So the announcement I wanted to make is it's not going to affect this show or anything, so don't worry about that. But um, I am now a member of Sports Empire Network. Uh, if you don't know who they are, it's a, you know, well, it's a network of, you know, sports podcasters come together and we're trying to build something big over there. So I'd appreciate it if you go over there to their YouTube page, Sports Empire Network. Go ahead and subscribe over there. Or if you're on Facebook, follow their facebook page sports empire network would appreciate it but um so i will be appearing on there tuesdays at least 7 p.m ish eastern time and that's gonna start this tuesday but um reason why you should subscribe is i could be popping up on other shows on the network as well but tuesdays is gonna be my scheduled time over there but like i said um, they have like a Friday night show, which I'll probably start popping up on every once in a while. So definitely do that. Appreciate it. And definitely support. Cause like I said, trying to build something big over there and I was happy to, you know, they reached out to me. I was happy to, you know, accept it cause I like what they got going on there as well. So definitely do that for me. But, um, as I always say at the end of the episode, Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, hit the like button, subscribe, follow, share. You know what to do, all that good stuff. Really helps out. But um, be safe out there. God bless. And I'll catch you on the next episode. All right. Have a good one. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.